Welcome back to season three of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today I have with me Mike Berger, VP of Product Marketing at ClickUp. ClickUp has grown tremendously over the past few months and the past year. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with Mike, a veteran in product marketing, to talk more about how product marketing is growing, growing your product marketing career as well. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thanks for having me, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. Of course. Absolutely. So, Along that line, product marketing has grown and changed a lot in the past few years, right? I think we both probably recognize this. And so what are some of the most important areas in your mind that we should really be focused on? ClickUp is, of course, growing quite a bit. And what are you maybe thinking about at ClickUp? Or what do you think a lot of product marketing leaders should be thinking about in a growing and scaling organization? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, it certainly has changed a lot over the past few years. I've had a pretty long career here, and so I've seen the change pretty acutely. But I think that when you think about it, one thing that strikes me is that product marketing has really gone from a more tactical function, which in a lot of cases was subservient to the product team, like typically reported into the product team. And I think it's moved to a much more strategic function today, you know, a function that's really more focused on both crafting and orchestrating the overall cross-functional go-to-market motion for a company. And that's been a really exciting you know, change to see happen over the years. And that said, though, I think there's still a lot of product marketing teams operating more tactically, and that tends to happen more so in the early growth stages of a business. But as the business scales, suddenly things get a lot more complicated, right? There are more products, more segments to go after, more teams, more division of labor, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, strategy programs and activities tend to get a lot more disconnected. And I think that this is really where product marketing can step in and help. And so this is where product marketing probably should be focused on, especially as a company grows, you know, serving as that glue and ensuring that the go-to-market efforts are coordinated and not only coordinated, but tied to a a well-crafted strategy. So that's one of the ways I actually look at product marketing teams when I join a team or I evaluate a team, I I always kind of think about that. Like, where are they along that spectrum from kind of operating more tactically to operating more strategically? And I think what's been really exciting to me is coming into these teams and moving the team along that spectrum to become more strategic to where they're making just a much bigger impact on growth and seeing leadership and, and leadership's eyes open up to realizing, wow, like we didn't realize that product marketing could be such a, a strategic asset to the company. And, and that's been pretty cool to see and to experience. For sure. And I love that spectrum that you look at. Maybe just to follow up on that, just real quickly, mm-hmm. do you have like metrics specifically that you're looking at? Or are you looking at kind of programs or activities? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for some kind of particular things, I guess, so to speak, as you look along that spectrum of kind of tactical to strategic? Well, so I I think, you know, from a strategic perspective, you might think that it's more revenue driven, whereas maybe more tactical could be more adoption driven, but that's a really simple way of looking at it. I think the way that I've looked at metrics and measuring success in product marketing is, 
it, it really just depends on the situation. So like maybe just sharing an example, which I think was an interesting way to not only organize the team, but also in answering your question to think about metrics and, and how to measure success a little bit differently. You know, when I was at Gainsight, we had a customer success platform that was a fairly mature product and we were the market leader and they still are the market leader. But, you know, we had some other products that we were introducing that were, they sat outside of customer success. If you looked at customer success versus customer growth, they still fit into that overall kind of customer growth category. But for instance, a product that was meant to drive account expansion as an example. So you'd sell it to account management teams, not so much customer success teams. And it was a new product. And so what we did is we organized the team around the, the products and, and where they were in their stage of maturity. And in fact, we worked with Jeffrey Moore, who was great to work with, and he's got a framework called Zone to Win. And so there were different zones that you'd sort of position your products in. And it was really meant for larger companies that had to make a bet on what the next big thing was for the company. So in the case of Netflix, it would have been like streaming. But for a company like ours, it, it helped us sort of organize the products into these categories and to resource them appropriately and, and also to come up with appropriate success metrics for where the product was. So a good example would be that product that was very early stage product. Some of the success metrics that we came, and by the way, that was called the incubation zone in his model. And the incubation zone basically were your longer term bets. And then he had sort of a, I think it was called the transformation zone where you'd have a product that would represent 10% or more revenue over the period of a year or within a year. And then they had the performance zone where some of the more mature products. And so this product sat in the incubation zone and the, the metrics that we came up for success were very different from the core customer success platform. So some of the metrics were, for instance, can we sign up 10 customers that would work with us and provide feedback to help us develop the product. And so like we were just looking for partners and, and that was the primary success metric that we looked at. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, you know, for the customer success platform, they were all revenue driven metrics. So it was pipeline and revenue. So I think it's the, the long way of saying that it really just depends on the situation and where the product is in its life cycle. That's amazing. And, and thank you so much for, for sharing that, Mike. I think, especially as a, a company grows and evolves and it certainly becomes more of a multi-product company as so many companies have like Gainsight and HubSpot and, and so many others, right? You know, having that maturity to again, measure those differently, structure and be thoughtful about org design on the product marketing team is so crucial and being intentional about it is so crucial. So it's good to hear your thoughts there. Yeah. And I, and I think the other thing too is if you try to measure success the same across the board, you're probably going to make some really bad decisions. Like if, if you're trying to create a new offering, especially into a market that you don't have a lot of experience in, and you're looking at revenue as the primary metric, you, you might actually make a lot of bad decisions and, and ultimately fail. So it, it was an interesting exercise to go through. I was thinking about your initial question on areas focus. The other thing that kind of comes to mind, just to add to the conversation is that the other thing that I think that has been interesting to watch with product marketing over the years is that 10 years ago, product marketing teams were very focused on, guess what? Product, right? No, no, no surprise. But today, I think that your more strategic product marketing leaders and, and teams have sort of escaped the bounds of product, right? They're focused not only on product, but they're, they're focused on overall company positioning and, and the strategic narrative of the company. And that's something that I've been working on a lot. Of, you know, I worked on that at Gainsight, worked on it a bit at Marketo, and, and definitely 
worked on it when I joined SurveyMonkey, which is now Mementive. And that's really interesting and challenging work. And, and that's another area where I think product marketing has really changed over the years is it's not just about product. And so when I talk to other product marketing leaders and aspiring leaders, that's another area where I think that there's an opportunity to lean in and, and focus on more. Completely agree. And I think that's where a lot of the cross-functional glue that you mentioned also applies, right? Especially as a product marketing team goes along that spectrum and leans in to be a little bit more strategic, how you message to, you know, for example, segments or verticals or different parts of your audience is crucial. And product marketing can be that central function to really help push that forward in, in so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And when you don't have a, a strong product marketing team acting as that glue, a good way to describe it is sort of chaos. Like everybody's moving in sort of a, a different direction. No one's sure. No one's aligned around a common vision and it gets really messy. So yeah, I think I like the word glue and I, yeah, I totally agree. For sure. Even a good product marketing team is, is admittedly a little bit of chaos as the organizations grow quickly, but, but totally agree with you, Mike. Yeah. I think someone described uh, the way ClickUp op operates as Andrew Jones. He's our head of content. I think he calls it like beautiful chaos or something like that. So I, I love that. That resonated with me because it is true. It's like, you know, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's part of the growth story, just growing up and putting processes in place and seeing the company mature. But in some ways, that sort of period of chaos is when it's the most fun because it's when you're doing a lot of building. And, you know, I personally, I love building. So if you like building, it's a great stage of growth to be a part of. I totally agree. And, and maybe along that line, you've mentioned some of the companies, some of the phenomenal companies I should add that you've held product marketing roles at, Marketo, Momentum, Gainsight, et cetera. And so, you know, as people think about this spectrum of kind of tactical to strategic being that glue, what would you suggest that they focus on, whether they're a brand new to product marketing or maybe a new leader to product marketing? What would you suggest that they, they kind of focus on? Yeah, I think it, it would probably be different for someone earlier in their career versus someone later on in their career. But I have a lot of these conversations with product marketers around like what they should be optimizing for, how they should be thinking about you know, roles. And when I say earlier stages of the career, let, let's just say the first half of their career, essentially. It doesn't mean they have to be entry level, but basically like the first half or so of their career. And you know, it's amazing. I, I still see a lot of product marketers in, in that stage of their career making decisions based on title and comp. And I just think it's such a big mistake for so many reasons, yet people continue to do it. And I think what a lot of people miss is that, you know, when you land the right roles in that sort of like first half of your career, e even if the, the, the pay isn't exactly what you want, I mean, you got to pay the bills, obviously, right? But if, if the pay isn't exactly what you'd like and, or the title isn't quite what you'd like, those roles, though, they, they have the ability, the right roles, to totally accelerate a career in, in a very meaningful way. Like, I think that it can be the difference between what I would say is a very linear like, career trajectory where you know, you're seeing consistent growth over time and one that looks a lot more like a hockey stick. And, and I think that hockey stick growth is what I experienced in my career. And it was by choosing the right roles. I wish I had learned that earlier, right? Because I think if I had done it earlier, I, I would have experienced even, even more of a hockey stick effect. So that's really important to, to think about is that almost like that return on investment that you're going to get from those initial roles, those initial companies that you're going to work for. And then, so that begs the question, like, what are the right roles? And when I talk to product marketers about this, I try to just keep it simple. And there are really just two things that I make up what I would consider a, like a career accelerating role. And it comes down to the company 
and, and the people in it. So your, your intro to this question is, is really telling. Like, you know, you said Marketo, Momentum, Gain. You didn't mention any of the companies that I, I worked for prior, right? And by the way, mo- most people don't because they're, they're not as well known, right? And so I think, like it or not, the way that you're perceived and the way the company that you work for is perceived are really tightly connected. Sounds obvious, but I'm saying that they're connected a lot more deeply than you might think. And you want to join a company like that, a company that's got some buzz, right? A company that's growing fast. You know, companies that are growing fast are places where there are a lot of new opportunities that arise. And so when you think about joining a company, you should be thinking about, well, what opportunities will be presented to me a year from now, two years from now? And how will this look on my resume? If, if you're, you're still using resume, most people just use LinkedIn profiles these days. But, but I think company is just, it, it matters. Everybody knows it matters, but I don't think most people know just how much it matters. Like I've been on many you know, hiring situations where we've specifically targeted candidates from those specific companies because we know that candidates that come out of those companies probably know what they're doing. And that's really because of the people at the company. That's really what it's all about. Like, you know, it's part of it's the company, like I said, part of it's the people and surrounding yourself with people that you can learn from, like people that will help you build the skills that you really need to grow your career. And I think that when you learn from leaders who themselves are recognized as experts in their field, other hiring managers are going to assume that you've learned how to do things the right way. And that's going to give you a ton of credibility. And I think lastly, when you surround yourself with lots of talented people, those people are going to go to other companies and they're going to go on to do great things. And that's how you really build a strong network. And again, like these are all things that I learned much, much later in my career. I was running marketing at some smaller, like I said, lesser known companies. And while I thought I was doing some really great things, it it was really just a well-kept secret, you know, but it wasn't until I went to Marketo that I really finally got it, right? Marketo was a really hot company. I was surrounded by so many incredibly talented people there. I was the same person, but my work all of a sudden was getting so much more exposure, right? Both internally and externally. Because, you know, at Marketo, I was doing a lot of public speaking and my personal brand became tightly intertwined with the Marketo brand. And all those talented people I worked with are now in leadership roles in some of the fastest growing SaaS companies around. And the value of that network is it's priceless, right? It's incredibly high. So my advice is to find an exciting, fast-growing company with people you can learn from. And if you do that, you'll be off to a great start. And and quite honestly, the rest will probably take care of itself. Love that perspective. And it's like the saying goes, I'll I'll probably get this slightly wrong, but, you know, basically take any seat you can on the rocket ship, right? Versus caring too much about title or compensation or, or whatever the case may be, because that rocket ship at the end of the day, as you mentioned, will create so many net new opportunities and provide so much kind of foundational growth for for not only you, but your career kind of over a span that it's hard to measure that in just one metric or one aspect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I went to Marketo and was going after a role there, it was a director of demand gen, which ultimately um, Heidi Bullock, who's a good friend and is now the CMO over at Telium, like she got the role and, and we worked together for years and it was great working with her, but that was the position I initially interviewed with. And then I interviewed with John Miller, one of the co-founders. And he's like, you know what? I think there's a position here that's a better fit for you. So I, I took this kind of wacky role called, I was director of middle of funnel marketing. I had a cool business card. It was like director of MoFu. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't see too many titles like that. Right. And I said, you know what? I mean, I didn't say this to, to John. I said it to myself. Like, 
I don't really care. I just want to be a part of it. This company is growing like a rocket ship. I was a huge believer in the Marketo product. And, and I was kind of a product evangelist uh, because I had adopted it at the company where I was running marketing. And I just thought it was an, an incredible just multiplier in terms of us having the ability to scale all our efforts with a small team. And I just wanted to be a part of it. And I took that role and uh, it lasted six months. I mean, I, I was there for four or four years, but that particular role, six months later, I was in product marketing, which is really where I wanted to be. It's where really where my passion lied. And it was very kind of like, comical how I, I ended up there. The company had a big reshuffling and they were really lacking in, in product marketing talent. So, you know, the CMO pulled me into his office and he's like, Hey, you know, Mike, I, I noticed that you have the most LinkedIn endorsements for product marketing than anything else. Would you be interested in actually product marketing? And, you know, <laughs> so for me, whenever I, I led marketing, these smaller companies, product marketing was a part of it. And it was the part that was the most fun for me. So I was like thrilled. And so that's how I actually got back into product marketing at Marketo and then ultimately ended up running product marketing there. So the, the point is, I, I didn't really care about what I was going to be doing there when I joined. All I cared about was that I, I became part of the organization and, and went on that ride. And, and that's what happened. And like I said, that's when I really got it. So it's a kind of a fun story thinking back on it. But yeah, that's how I ended up like where I was in that role. That's an amazing journey you've had. And it's certainly fun to look back with good memories and how that growth has occurred. And, you know, seeing friends and colleagues, I can certainly do the same throughout my career history as well. And that hockey stick piece is, is absolutely right. If you look at a company, you evaluate it in the right way, look at the right metrics, some buzz around that company. And obviously you do well in your role and the company does well, it will create this natural momentum. That's really hard to replicate, almost impossible. I would argue to replicate. For sure. Yep. Okay. So maybe taking that one step further, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you recently joined ClickUp. And so what were some of the things that you were looking at ClickUp? What excited you about the company? And what were you thinking about from a product marketing perspective or a growth perspective? Yeah. So the way I think you evaluate roles changes, right? As you gain experience and take on more senior roles. So you know, this will apply to ClickUp, but just first in general, like I use a, a framework, right, to determine or to assess opportunities like ClickUp. And it's pretty simple. It's basically people, TAM, product, product market fit, and then growth stage. So from a people perspective, obviously, you know, you're going to be spending a lot of time with your coworkers and that's really important for obvious reasons. And also for the reasons I mentioned before, like, you know, are, are the people that you're going to be able to learn from? TAM is a really big one, actually. You know, it's, it's one that I wish I thought more about earlier in my career. Along my career, I joined some companies that were successful, but their ultimate growth was limited by TAM. And so having a large total addressable market to go after is a huge advantage for, for companies. And so that's something that I look at. It's one of the, again, in my list, that's number two. So I, I listed them kind of in, in order of priority. So TAM is a big one. And then I'll get to how that applies to ClickUp in a second. The, the third is product for, for obvious reasons. You know, you want to join a company with a really great product and then product market fit. And that's a really interesting one. And the way, the way I kind of think about product market fit is I, I've worked at companies where the product almost sells itself. Like the value prop is just so clear, right? And, and as a product marketer, that makes life a whole lot easier. When you have product market fit that isn't so great, you know, what you have to do is you have to explain it in depth to every single buyer that you go after. And the problem with that is velocity. 
right? That, that's the problem. If you don't have good product market fit, like your, your sales velocity is likely to suffer. And so I, I look at product market fit and then I look at growth stage. And this, this is a personal thing. It, it, it's kind of like an investments, right? Like you can have an investment strategy that's high risk and, and high return, or, or you can be much more conservative and take less risk and probably get less return. For me, I like kind of like in the middle. So I, I try to join companies that are right around Series C, you know, give or take, because I think at, at Series C, you know, I joined ClickUp just before the Series C, so it was a great time to join. But I think when you think about that stage of growth, like typically the company's got some momentum, they've got a proven business model and so forth. So the risk isn't so high. Like if you choose the right company at, at that stage of growth, it's likely that they'll have some sort of positive outcome. Just how positive is the big question. So in terms of like your question, what excited me about ClickUp, you know, it's all kind of related to that framework I just laid out. But the story is how I got there is my wife and I were taking sailing lessons in, in the Bay here in San Francisco, which we thought would be a fun thing to do during the pandemic. And on the way to the marina, when we were taking these lessons, I kept seeing these ClickUp billboards. Now, you may have not have seen them, Jeffrey, but they say, a lot of them say one app to replace them all which as a product marketer was really intriguing. I was like, wow, one app to replace them all. What is that? And that's incredibly bold. You know, and again, it just really piqued my curiosity. So a week later, my CMO at SurveyMonkey, now Momentive, announced that she was leaving. And kind of like about a week after that, I got a ping from ClickUp. And as I learned more about the company, you know, the more I leaned in and the rest is, is history. But applying it to the framework, the people I met at ClickUp were great. When I met with the CEO, Zeb, I just totally connected with his vision of creating a platform that brings work together across every function of a business so that people can collaborate more easily and be more productive. Probably like you, I feel the pain of having to manage my work across lots of different applications. You know, collaboration becomes really hard. Finding things is often challenging. And we're always context switching as we move from one application to the next. And, and we know as product marketers, vendors always promise like deep and seamless integrations because we use that language, but the reality is usually really different, right? So the vision of an all-in-one productivity platform got me really excited and I want it really to be a part of it. And so from a product perspective, it, it's got like a core sort of like task management capability, but then on, around that, it's got docs, whiteboards, the ability to track goals and lots of other capabilities. So from a product marketing perspective, it's a really exciting an interesting product to be working on. And it also has a huge TAM, you know, basically it's work, right? It's every company does work. So a candidate actually asked me a few weeks ago what the TAM was. And my response was like, does it even really matter? It's so big, right? That we could grab just a small slice of it and still build an incredibly successful company. Like the TAM is just that large. And I mentioned like the product's great and product market fit is really strong. And one of the reasons why, or proof points of that, I should say, is that the company grew to a substantial number from a revenue perspective organically. So actually their philosophy was we want to grow and get to a certain revenue milestone without even spending, I don't know if they spent a dime, but I mean, they spent very little, if anything, on marketing up to that point. And the company, again, grew to a pretty substantial amount. So that tells you that the product market fit is really strong. And then again, like for me, the stage was right. I joined just prior to the C round. They, they raised a $400 million Series C led by Andreessen and Tiger. So obviously, you know, the, the story is resonating and the growth has been really impressive. So that's what got me really excited about it. And then from a product marketing perspective, the team really hadn't been built out. The product marketing 
team was a team of two and definitely operating tactically through no fault of their own. It was just way too much work to be done and too few people to do it. So they were just constantly trying to keep their heads above water, being very reactive because again, there were only two people and now we're building the team out. So we're building the team out to about 17 people as soon as I can. So that journey that I, I talked about earlier in terms of taking a team that's very tactically oriented and moving it to be more strategic is the plan. And by the way, when I say more strategic, it doesn't mean we're going to not do work. And I think that the thing that sometimes gets lost in translation is people say strategic and they think we're just going to be sitting around like opining on where the company should go and that sort of thing. But no, we're still going to be a lot of work to do. But again, when I think being strategic, it's being focused on things that will really drive growth. Exactly. And I, I love your focus on strategy there, right? A, a lot of folks do interpret it as being able to kind of sit back a little bit and, and maybe yeah. relax, but it's not that at all. If anything, it's arguably harder in so many cases because there's just so much more of a, a blue ocean or an open field, if you prefer that analogy, to be done. And you're not only kind of setting the, the strategy at a high level, but you're drilling down into the strategy as well to kind of set the execution too. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So I love your framework and I love how you think about joining a company and evaluating a company. Maybe if we take that and slightly change it in terms of growing your own product marketing career or how other product marketers should think about growing their career around leading and influencing. We both know that those are two, especially really crucial skill sets to growing your mm -hmm. career. So how do you like... Think about managing stakeholders, updating the company on what product marketing is doing, sharing cross-functional wins, like all of that type of communication and around product marketing, not only what you're doing, but what your team is doing to drive success. Yeah. So, you know, we're all not great at everything. And I think that this is an area I could probably be doing a better job. Well, first of all, there's elevating the work that your team members are doing and communicating that out to, to different stakeholders. And then there's sort of like updating the company on what the team as a whole is up to. And uh, for me, I think I've done a really good job actually of giving visibility or providing visibility into the work that my team members are doing. That's super important to me. And I know that any, anyone who's, who's worked for me that that's done great work, really appreciated that. And so from that perspective, I try to do that a little bit organically in, in conversations and in, in having them present in, in various forums and lots of other kind of more tactical ways of ensuring that their work is getting visibility. So I think I've done a pretty good job with that. I think where I probably could be doing a better job is, you know, kind of providing updates from a team perspective. And, and it, it comes down to just time. And I think once you know, you, you build out a team, it, it becomes easier. But when you're in growth mode and, and it's got beautiful chaos is happening all around you, it's hard to step back and say, okay, well, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to create an email with an update to the company, or I'm going to create a Slack post, or even better, maybe I'll record a video and, and then send it out to the company so that they understand what's happening across the team. So, you know, that's an area where I, I think it's, it's great to do and, and you should do it. I, I probably need to do it more often. But you know, I don't know if that's helpful, but that, I think about it along those sort of two dimensions is one is making sure that you're communicating the achievements of the individuals on the team versus kind of what the team as a whole is up to. I totally agree. And one thing I, I tell my team quite often is there's the, the company is growing so quickly and new groups are emerging, new people are joining existing groups so quickly that 
you know, we need to remain that glue. And that it means oftentimes, and, and this is not the only thing, but this is just one example mm-hmm. that we need to kind of communicate in public and plan in private. Right. And that often means, mm-hmm. so, so we use Slack internally. So that often means like communicating in, in very public channels that lots and lots of people are in, which can feel yeah. uncomfortable, I think for, for a lot of folks and my, myself included in that, by the way, when I first started doing it, but nowadays we've kind of done that fairly well that we can gain a lot of buy-in by doing that. And that's just one example, but I totally agree with you that it's definitely not my, my strongest suit. There, there's a whole no. bunch of things I could do to improve on that, but communicating clearly and effectively and cross-functionally, I think is, is so crucial, especially to a fast growing organization like ClickUp. Yeah. I think if you're not communicating what the team's up to, like just, you know, this is kind of a human nature thing, but people might just assume that you're not doing much. And I'd like to think that most people aren't like that. But again, like if, if you know, in a vacuum that many people probably like that's where they go. So it is really important to do. And I think we, we should all be doing it more, probably more often than, than we do. Yeah, completely agree. Maybe a similar question, but with just with a little twist to it, how have you managed up successfully, right? I think as we get to maybe senior ICs and really show off a lot of our strengths, we get into people management, we get to be leaders, we naturally take on more and more responsibility. But one of those skill sets that I think a lot of people, you know, develop just over time, for me personally, it's taken longer than I would have liked, but how have you managed to manage up successfully? Yeah. And by the way, I put myself in that camp as well. And it's a really good question, but I think earlier in my career as a leader, I, I really didn't think too much about managing up, certainly not intentionally, probably because it's, it's just not where I personally get my energy. Like I get my energy from supporting my team and from seeing them excel. I still remember the first time I heard the term servant leadership. And I remember it just really resonated with me because that was how I naturally operated. But to answer the question, it, it might be helpful to share what I think managing up even means, you know, because because I think that can be a little fuzzy too. And To me, I think it means just building confidence and trust with senior leadership or whoever your manager is, or at least that's how I think about the desired outcome. And while I didn't focus on managing up early in my career, over time, I I definitely realized that it was really important and that not doing so would probably put me at a distinct disadvantage. And one of the reasons is that if you have a vision for your team, how you want to build it, how you want to organize it, what the areas of focus will be, et cetera, you need the support of senior leadership to bring that vision to life because it requires resources, like resources in the form of people and dollars. So you absolutely need to get buy-in from the executive team on your vision to secure those resources. And I think the the most critical phase of managing up and, and building that trust and confidence is when you first start in a new role. So maybe I'll focus on kind of how I think about that. Whenever I come into a new role, what I really try to focus on is learning. You know, I talk to as many people as I can. That includes leadership, but also managers and ICs, but also customers and partners to really try to understand what's working and and what's not and and where the opportunities for us to make an impact exist. So I I use all that learning really to get a sense for at at the end of the day, what, what are the biggest growth opportunities? And then I develop a strong point of view around like our team, how product marketing can help move the needle on those growth opportunities. And from there, I just set up meetings. You know, I set up meetings with key executives to share that point of view and hopefully to rally them behind my vision for how the product marketing team can be essentially a strategic weapon for the company. And once I feel like I have the support of senior leadership, at that point, it's just a matter of executing, right? And, and keeping the leadership team informed of our progress. And, and when I think progress is being made, I always look to either 
get myself or preferably my team members speaking, like I mentioned before, in, in various forums, whether it's, you know, an all hands meeting or other meetings where we can drive that awareness of how we're making a difference as a team. And I think it's really important that people see that value because, you know, by doing so, the team itself is going to find their work to be much more satisfying, right? Because it's being recognized. And the other thing it does is it elevates the brand of the team too. So you, you know, this is happening when you start seeing people in other functions across the business, like knocking your, on your door, right? And showing interest in joining your team. That's to me is a clear indicator that you've elevated the brand of your team and other people want to join it. And so I think that you need to go th- this exercise, but not just when you start out, you, you got to continually do that, right? Because the business is obviously going to be changing constantly. And as it changes, like the things you and your team focuses on, they, they need to change as well. So I think the most important thing in, in my mind as it relates to managing up is really to just always be proactive about how product marketing can be a growth driver. Like don't just wait to be told what to do or wait for the strategic planning process to inform your plans, but be proactive and always be searching for ways the team can contribute to growth. And you know, if you do that, you'll always be focused on initiatives that are important to leadership, which I think is really the best way to manage up because that more than anything is going to build confidence and trust with that executive team. So it's not just you know for someone like me in leadership or you, it's anyone. I think at any level, you always have to be managing up and it should always be about like building confidence and trust. And there's lots of ways to do that, but this is one way that I've seen work really well for me. I love that thought and and not waiting for the planning process and really driving what's strategically important, setting that vision, setting the kind of cornerstones and really driving and executing towards it. That's really, really smart. So maybe one last question before we wrap up here, because we've been talking a lot about growing our own careers. We've talked about influencing and leading a bit, but I think hiring is one of those cornerstone skills for us as leaders of teams and groups and overall functions even. And as you know, the saying goes, like you're only as good as your people are, right? And, yep. and I think we recognize that. So as you're evaluating candidates, as you're thinking about opening up roles, how are you kind of separating out a, a good PMM candidate from maybe a great PMM candidate? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think there's lots of ways. I'll give you a kind of like just some that come to mind. First and foremost, like I think that there's a difference between just sort of like crafting messaging and doing it in a way where you really understand the, the nuance of messaging. So when I'll give you an example back at, at Gainsight that I always use is that when the company acquired a company called Uptrinsic, Trinsic was in the, um, so it was similar to Pendo, right? So it was product analytics. So in-app analytics is probably a better way. In-app analytics, in-app engagement. And it was sold to product owners, right? Product leaders. And, you know, Gainsight was a company that was known for customer success. And so one of the questions at the time that I was asking candidates is like, how would you think about stitching these two things together? And what really, it really separated the, the great candidates from just the good ones, because there was a lot to unpack there. Like it's a completely different sort of space for selling into a different buyer. And in terms of the messaging that you come up with, you could end up alienating one or, or the other, or the way you stitch them together might not make sense. It might really feel forced. And so I think that's just one of, of many examples where a, a great product marketer can really understand the nuance behind the messaging behind a challenge like that. And so to me, great PMMs really understand the nuance behind messaging. 
And I think the other thing that they're able to do is create simplicity out of complexity, right? And that's a key skill, not just for a technical product, by the way, for most software applications, I think there's a tremendous need to, to sort of create that simple message that's easily digestible out of something that is fairly complex. So that would be kind of like point one. I think the second one is that great PMMs know that every single word matters. Like some of the most interesting exercises I've gone through are exercises where we literally take a sentence or two and we spend like 20 or 30 minutes, maybe even more time. And we just dissect it. Every single word, like I said, matters. And so I think the difference between a good PMM who just sort of like, you know, crafts a couple sentences or a paragraph and, and feels good about it versus someone who really takes the time to go deeper and has that sort of mentality that every single word matters. That to me is the big deal. You can tell probably that writing is really important to me. So, you know, great product marketers are great writers. Some other things that come to mind are like, I think great product marketers are very framework driven, both from the perspective of creating the framework so that you have a consistent way of doing your core work as a product marketer, but also a consistent way for audiences to ingest it. So I think being framework driven is very helpful. Something that we've talked about in this conversation is great product marketers make sure that their work is, is really connected to the strategic initiatives of the company, especially those tied to growth. So I see a lot of product marketers that just sort of like check off a lot of the boxes, right? In a quarter, they'll check off a lot of boxes on a long to-do list that they have. And then they often look back in the quarter and say, what did I actually do that really mattered, that really made a difference? It doesn't mean that all of your work needs to be that way, but you should have some balance. So if 70% of your work is on that long to-do list, you should make sure that 30% of it's tied to something that's really important to the company. I think great product marketers have a very strong bias to action. They don't just sit back and wait for things to happen. Again, they're biased to action. They're strong communicators and good PMMs are strong communicators. Great PMMs are really able to hold their own in discussions and debates with senior leaders. You know, a great product marketers use a, a mix of both instinct and data to make decisions, not just one or the other. And maybe the last thing I would say is like, I think Great product marketers ha have work that's memorable. Right? They can talk about, they can convey the impact they've made in the, on the companies that they've worked for. You know, so they've done some really interesting, meaningful, and memorable work. Those are some things that come to mind. And, and I think actually one more, maybe the most important is great product marketers make other people want to work with them. But that's really important because in, in a lot of ways, the journey is as important as the result that you get to. And it's really important for me when I hire to make sure that I'm bringing people on that other people are going to be really excited and energized uh, to work with. Love that last tradition there. And it's so important too, right? Because team dynamics, if you get a player who is, you know, frankly, just an asshole, right? Yep. Then, then that person is potentially going to make others on the team toxic or, or whatever the case may be. And that won't be good for, for you as a leader, but it also won't, certainly won't be good for others on your team. So you're better off getting, ideally finding an A player who, who will be a great fit on your team, but even just somebody great on your team is great there too. Yeah. I'd say like one of the, the best teams I've had was we went around the room and said, what do you love about this team? Write it down. And then we all read it. And most of the responses were around feeling like other team members had their back or some version of that. And, and that was just so great to see. And it, it speaks to that. I love that. So as we wrap up here, just one 
very quick question, Mike, which is like, I think we've all had really good mentors or colleagues. It sounds like you really have. I, I, I know I have as well throughout my career. Has there been like a particular lesson that you've learned from maybe a mentor or a colleague that served you really well in your career? And if there has, can you share it with us? Yeah, I guess I'm kind of cheating because I already said it by, you know, in the last question, but the, the best advice I ever got was make your, your work memorable. And, and when I say make it memorable, it really just means make sure that you're working on important things. And again, it doesn't mean that every single thing that you, you have to do is important, especially when you're in a more junior role. Like there, you know, you're going to have a lot of things that are fairly tactical, but it's not just up to your manager. It, it's up to you as well. Like if you're more junior, you should be asking your manager to work on something that is more meaningful and, and tied to what's important to the company. So some, the, the advice I got was every single quarter, you should look back at least one thing that was memorable and that people will sort of connect to you, right? And so that's the best advice I ever got. And it's a really, really important, especially in product marketing where you're at the center of everything. And you know, as well as I, like if we had unlimited time uh, and, and unlimited number of people on the team, we, we could probably just continue to work 24 seven on things like, you know, every week, every month, right? And so, you know, prioritization becomes super important, but if you're not careful about ensuring that you're working on some important and meaningful things, you can just get completely lost in that long, never-ending to-do list and then look back and then you're not going to see anything that was memorable and, and neither are the people around you. So that was the best advice that I've gotten. I really love that advice and the intentionality behind it. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to chat with me and come on the Product Marketing Experts podcast. I, I really, really enjoyed this conversation and I've personally benefited from it. I, I know our audience will as well. So thank you so much. Any final words you want to share with the audience about yourself or, or just the work that you're doing at ClickUp or just elsewhere before I conclude? No, I think that's it actually, but I've really enjoyed the conversation as well, Jeffrey, and I appreciate Sherbert for having me on. Thank you so much, Mike. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards, delivered everywhere your sales reps live, through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, Highspot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue.